Well, that was the opening music to The Lady from... Not The Lady. Lady from Chungking, released in 1942, and starring Anna Mae Wong, Harold Huber, Mae Clark, who I was, I was saying that uh, she seemed really familiar, and I couldn't figure out why, and then I looked her up and she was in Frankenstein. She played Emily. Oh, okay. Uh, Rick Vallon, Paul Breyer, Ted Heck, quite a fairly large cast, I would say, of Asian American actors. Oh, definitely. Which was, yeah. which was nice to see. And this is our second movie in our Anime Wong Film Festival. The first one was Toll of the Sea. And the next one is The Lady... No, this is the third movie in our... Yes, <laughs> this the is the third. third movie in our Anime Wong Film Festival. Yeah. Time is weird right now with the pandemic and stuff. I keep losing track of time. Or maybe that's just me getting older. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net and on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash classicmoviereviews. And I'm Matt Johnson coming to you from just kind of cloudy and gray North Bend today. And uh, this is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles welcoming everyone back to Classic Movie Reviews and Lady from Chungking which I think is our third movie, but for some reason I can't remember the second one. We did Toll of the Sea. Shanghai Express. Oh, Shanghai Express. Gosh. Uh, and then this movie. I would add one other movie that I watched. I watched a couple, but one of the several actually. One that I really liked that she was in is When, when Were You Born from 1938, a larger budget Warner Brothers film where she plays uh, kind of the lead role as an astrologer who can actually predict when some people are going to be uh, dying. If if I knew anybody like that, I would never go see them. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, (laughs) I I don't don't need to know, thanks. But it was was good. But this movie um, came out around Christmas time in 1942, so it was at the height of World War II. And uh, she has a very strong role as the as the woman who's the secret leader of the uh, underground villagers. And uh, I, th- I love the opening where they're all uh, working in the fields, but then the cart comes with the water. The water is here. Go get your drink. All of you. Don't take too long. It also has hidden within its hay and straw knives, machetes, machine guns, rifle, everything, uh, revolvers. It's loaded. It's loaded up with weapons. And those farmers are ready to take on the Japanese who are occupying them and pillaging their village. But uh, Anna Mae Wong says, no, we have to wait. There's, there's, we have more important work to do than that. It's interesting how they also interwove... Uh, the German hotel owner merchant who was ripping off the uh, the locals with his uh, 
pricing on goods that they would sell to him because he was their only market. Hey, 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 don't crowd, don't crowd. One at a time. How about the goats? Vegetables? I don't need them. Fruits? All right. How about the champagne? Yeah. See. Skinny. Five. No ten, five. Take them in. How about the goats? I take them all, a dollar apiece. How many do you have got? Six? Four dollars. Right. No champagne. Yeah. Imitation. Give me a dollar a bottle. No argument? Or I'll tell you where you stole it. Wait, come on, go on. Take them all around to the kitchen. And we do business. My price. Uh, he was bad news. And uh, I often wondered as I was watching it, how did this guy end up in China from Germany? You know, it's like... A secret we'll never know. There's a few twists and turns in the movie, too. Like, his character is revealed to be more than what you think. And the same with the um, the uh, other woman, Mae Clark. I can't figure out at the beginning, what is she doing? Why is she there? And then she has an about-face uh, uh, or changes uh, what she's doing. So, yeah, there are, there are twists. One of the characters in the film that is always interesting... Paul Breyer, who plays one of the uh, downed American flyers from the Flying Tigers. This, this man, I looked this up because I've seen him in so many films. He did 220 movies between 1938 wow. and 1983. 220. Sometimes they were very small parts, and sometimes they were larger. He was in three Hitchcock films. Vertigo. Oh my gosh. Vertigo, uh, Notorious, and The Wrong Man. And he always played these brief roles as a supporting actor. But just imagine <laughs> that many films. Sometimes he had uh, one line, sometimes he wasn't credited with any part in the film. But uh, I, I, I'm fascinated by how he ended up. Yeah, on his IMDb page, it says 380 credits as actor. Yeah, the other 100 and some were in television. I forgot those. Yeah. Isn't crazy. that something? Amazing. That's definition of a working actor there. <laughs> yeah, wow. for 50 years. <laughs> so, um, and the director of this film was a, is another. It's it's like he did a hundred, almost 120 films, sometimes as an actor, sometimes as a producer, but usually as a director. And he did a, a raft of B films for RKO Universal, one of my favorites that he did, I didn't know he had done it, 1940, The Ape, by Boris Karloff. Oh, yeah. That's, a, that's another interesting... <laughs> Boris goes off the deep end and takes over the role of the ape so he can get more uh, bodies for his research. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a movie. <laughs> I've seen that a few times. <laughs> so, But anyway, I, I've taken us way off track. This is a pretty straightforward World War II war movie, and she's given a lot of time and, and screen uh, involvement and has a lot of lead opportunities in the film. I liked it. I like it because of that. Yeah, I thought it was really good. And into the film a bit, she's she's fully dressed up. Her, her character's name is Quan May. Later in the film, she's very, very well dressed as she's playing this this very wealthy person. 
She's beautiful. It's revealed that she's royalty and she's had all that stripped away during the war and, and now she's working with the underground to fight the Japanese. And so she uh, has this whole backstory and it really, you know, her regalness, I guess, comes through about halfway through the movie when she uh, is living in that the hotel at the behest of General Kamura, uh, played by Harold Huber, who unfortunately is a white actor dressed up as an Asian character. Well, and he was actually in quite a few movies like that. He was a pretty prolific actor himself and was oh, in some of those Charlie Chan yeah. movies, I think. And he was uh, one of the one of the uh, bad guys in the first Thin Man movie. And uh, on the radio, he played uh, the Agatha Christie character, character Perot on radio dramas. Oh, so he was all over okay. the place too. But yeah, whenever they are playing uh, an, an Asian role like he was, it's just it, now it's kind of jarring to watch that. But it was so prevalent. Yeah, I, I mean, it was just sort of normal back then. I happened to catch a 1950s Western on the Western Channel yesterday. And Charles Bronson was playing an Indian uh, Native American uh, brave. And I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> it was it was like 1955 <laughs> yeah yeah well i like the way the movie opens up too because it's uh they're in this field and this little boy is playing with a boat in like one of the puddles of water and then this japanese soldier comes up and is like threatening this little boy and then anime wong's character kwan may comes over and sort of intervenes and it diffuses the situation the way you work in the rice field? Next time I won't use my foot. Now, go to work. Broke my bone. Don't cry, Michi. You, don't you teach your child the wisdom of obedience? Michi is not my child. He's an orphan. So? then proper discipline can be arranged. If the Japanese soldier will permit, I will show him how the new order disciplines its youth. Go on. Luchi, what is the plan of our Japanese masters? plan of our kind Japanese master is for a greater cooperative East Asia. Ah, good. You can tell right away that she has a lot of uh, authority with the, the with the other people in the field but also she seems to be able to kind of have authority in, in some way over the Japanese because um, that, that guy listened to her um, so she's got a very commanding presence in the film and, and it's, which, I, which I like it sets, it, that's set up right at the beginning like you just described and it continues through the entire film so uh, yeah I, and I then like we that. cut over to the village where they're bringing in all these goods and the, like you said the German officer is there i don't know if he's an officer he's a german I'm not really sure what his background is and he's buying all the the goats and the ducks for for way cheaper than what they're worth i'm sure and he's getting all this together because he's going to put a feast uh on for the general that's coming into town and that's uh harold huber's role general kamura the whole story is that kwan may is trying to 
derail, literally derail the plans of General Chimera because he's bringing in thousands of Japanese troops to push further in, inland in China. Her and the underground are trying to stop that from happening. And it's complicated by the fact that these two American flyer, flyers from the Flying Tigers are shot down. She also has to sort of direct the, the rescue of them from the Japanese. So we've got that kind of subplot within the larger plot of the overall offensive that the general's organizing. But he he was an odd general. His character is, it just, he was, he was not always evil. And sometimes he would turn on his own officers. Well, yeah, that was weird. I didn't understand why he did that at the end, except that he felt like that guy was incompetent. Um, and I think he just was done with him um, at the end of the movie. But yeah, he was, he reminded me a little bit of that character from Lady, uh, from Shanghai Express, the one who was was trying to get his officer back. Oh yeah, the rebel leader. Yeah, the rebel leader. Warner Olin, I think, played that role. Yes, he does. He does. And it was similar in the sense that they were kind of holed up in this hotel, and in that movie they were holed up in a train station, I think. Yeah, his, his character was more interested in his own grandeur, you know. He wanted to be the commander of all of China, I feel like. Yes. And that was kind of his, and his end game was to conquer China and then be the ruler over China in the sphere of influence of Japan. And he definitely had built that into the design of his uniform. It was uh, <laughs> that uniform of... <laughs> had, had so many different <laughs> things going on. It was really grandiose, which he liked. Yeah. He liked that. That dogfight, though, with the planes really, really dragged yeah, on. Yeah, I did. And there was, I, I, and there, I think there were different. They were like different stock footage <laughs> from different things that they put together because the planes kept changing, and it was I couldn't keep track of like which planes were which. <laughs> Sometimes it was a biplane, and then there was one quick clip of a medium bomber and yeah they they must have had limited uh, footage of any one of those because it was very disconnected i thought they could have just had maybe a 30 seconds of the dogfight and they had a th they had about five minutes i feel like they were trying to fill some some space there in the in the movie they had to make it 66 minutes long for the second feature on the, <laughs> on, the on the program i had this impression though near the end of the film where I thought this would have been an amazing TV series. Uh, if if they built a TV series around Quan May's character and all these exploits of her working with the rebels to fight off the Japanese, and then the ending happened, I said, well, I guess they're not going to make a TV series out of that character. Yeah. <laughs> it would have also worked to make it into a radio series because there were a lot of those during the 40s, 30s and 40s where there would be reoccurring every week a 15 or 30 minute episode because I, I know that I would I would listen to many of them I had one favorite that I'd listen to at night about 8:30 or 9 for 15 minutes uh, an adventure film I forget the name of it now but this would have been right in there would have fit right in and she uh, she carries this off and again throughout the film May Clark's character is, is is sort of an ambiguous figure to me, or or unclear what she really is up to. And first place, how how in the world would she stay there? Or was she trapped? Or she had no passport? I I wondered about that. Um, I don't know if she was a spy or she didn't seem to have a loyalty to anybody no. either. It was 
to herself to herself i couldn't tell if she had some kind of romance going with the with the german hotel owner but it didn't seem like it near the end and she seemed to be more interested in the captured airman uh, who was played by you mentioned him earlier oh uh, let's um, see there was there were two uh paul Breyer and uh oh my gosh uh, i i don't have the other person's name in front of me uh i'm not even sure it's in the list of credits was it rodney carr uh no rick valen maybe I, I guess that is yeah that, i guess it is anyway there were two of them yeah it was it was him rick valen the thing about he's described as a, he's described as a reliable b character yeah he was in a actor. lot of films that's, <laughs> that's for sure but not as many as paul Breyer. I'll tell you, <laughs> yeah. that guy probably did three films a week. Well, the thing about this f- film that I find interesting too, it was it was distrib- made and distributed by the Producers Releasing Corporation, which back in the 30s and 40s was sort of a parallel company to another uh, small budget uh, outfit called Monogram, which later morphed into Allied Artists. But these two studios... Monogram and Producers Releasing Corporation made dozens and dozens of second-level films for these double features in the movie theaters. And when I then I looked at uh, when we were when were you born, which was a Warner Brothers film with Anna Mae Wong, and you can immediately tell the difference in the budget, the time it took to make it, the cast, the uh, story. It's just it just looks like it took. They took a little extra time to, to, you know, smooth it off and and cut out some of the rough edges, but these, they could have made this movie in I don't know under a week I would think. Oh, totally, and it, and it, and I was wondering if they'd filmed it uh, maybe up around um, Lone Pine. It, it sure looked like Lone Pine, uh, but it probably was closer to Los Angeles. On it might have even been a. a like a, a stand-up stage that they used for westerns because it looked like a western town, like a like a Mexican, you know, outpost or something in a western town. Yeah, it did. It did. They may have been up at Lone Pine. I there they there have been about eight hundred films made up there. It just seems like for that company, as as small as the budgets were, just the travel up there for the crew <laughs> yeah. would have taken half the That's what budgets. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm sure it was clo- it was real close to Los Angeles, I'm sure, it, in a, it, that they filmed In it. a way, for me, it's interesting because in the 1950s, when, when television was really coming into its own, Warner Brothers was really, really good at making these television shows of a half hour or an hour long on these same kinds of budgets. They had like, I was talking to my friend and, and he said when they were doing films, they would probably take no more than a week to make one. And if the if the director, like a Jack Webb, was really good, they could make two half-hour shows in a week. One on Monday, Tuesday, Jeez. and part of Wednesday, and another one Wednesday afternoon, Thursday, and Friday. They were just cranking them out. Like, <laughs> and I think that's what they were doing here. That's, well... I think so, and I think this actually would have been a really good television episode. I think if they cut out about twenty minutes of the of the movie, that it would be a really tight, exciting drama. And you know, there's some really good scenes in there, like the opening scene with the little boy yes. is quite dramatic. Um, the the scene when the airmen are landing and they're trying to rescue them was was pretty exciting. 
Who are you, lady? Your friend. We're all your friends. Where'd they take my pal over there? It's all right. We have a hideout where you get medical attention. Say, haven't I seen you someplace before? Never mind that. Look. I'm going to take a couple of those babies with me. Drop that gun. Take him away. Look for the other flyer. You use excellent judgment. It is my duty to the new order. Cleverness does not seem to be your only virtue. This is not a coolie hand. The lieutenant is right. I am not a coolie. Now, if you were only of noble birth. You see, my dear, General Kaimura likes the companionship of intelligent women, especially cultured women. Have you been here long? Not long. I'm a little scrubbing around the neck and uh, ears. And even a general might see possibilities. The scene when the general has figured out that there's an underground in in the village there and he's brought in all the coolies which is a really derogatory oh it is that term but they use that term a lot in the movie and he brings all brings all these uh people in and is interrogating them and is gonna is gonna shoot them and and anime wong in like a masterful way manipulates the general into to not shooting the younger men I don't want to seem presumptuous, but don't you think youth should be taught to serve the new order instead of wasted? Firing spot. Fall in. Your armies need rice. Otherwise, Japan's destiny and yours will be starved. Ready? General, can you afford to put your soldiers into the rice fields? Lieutenant. Release the young coolie. Release all the young coolies. Except that tall one. Tall men are stupid. Shoot him. Not too stupid to plant rice. Oh, so? Perhaps you're right. Release him, too. Shoot all the old men. Let the young ones see that for their crimes, their fathers will pay. Not him. His old man. Thanks he cannot it. hear. He cannot speak. Shoot me. Ready?
That's right. Two at a time. It saves ammunition. And he ends up shooting the older man and I thought that was really well done like the way that her character is developed there and then just how sad that was that like this is a very small village and everybody would have known everybody and and it's like so tragic that 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 happened the escape where she's uh, escaping the hotel and going out to the cave where the rebels are that was well done yeah, you can almost tell the scenes that they took more time with. I'd love to see the storyboard for this film and how they sequence the filming because parts of it look like they took a, quite a bit of time and parts of it is like, we've got to be done by Friday, you know, speed yeah, it up. There, on the storyboard, I imagine there's like eight major things and then there's like blank spots where they're just saying, we'll just fill in with some stuff here. Like like, <laughs> we'll, fi we'll figure like it out. stock footage of the airplane. <laughs> for me, the, the major reason why this film is important and, and why I'm glad we're reviewing it is that it really puts a spotlight on Anna Mae Wong's ability, talent, and just naturalness be before the camera. She was a, she was a natural in, in, this, in, this, in this media. She did 60 films and they were all the way from stereotypical limited roles to major roles where she played a strong role like here or like the one where when you were born. And it's so frustrating to be in 2021 looking back at films from the 1920s, 30s, and 40s to see how her talent was not used that much. And I, and I would have to guess, I suppose, that the box office receipts, revenue from her films, were not great either just because of the period of time that it was that they were made so she she's she was before her time and suffered because of that i think well and and her film career kind of stalled after i mean it wasn't too long after this movie that she just like all the roles kind of yeah i think her. she maybe did three films after this if that she did have that television program and boy would i like to see that but it's lost that new dumont yeah that's too bad the yeah. ten, 10 episodes um, that she did this this um yeah i totally agree with you this movie really highlights her commanding presence on the on the screen and even though the story is pr pretty predictable except i there were like i said there were several twists at the end that i did not expect um which i liked and the the ending was really dramatic and i i really like the ending of the film and i thought this was would have been an excellent episode in like an eight episode arc of like a series of, of these with anime Wong. Maybe this is the culminating episode where it kind of all comes together or something like that. But uh, wouldn't that have been, that would have been a great way to, to go with it. Make it a serial like they used to run on in film. Yeah, 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 totally. That would have been so cool. Um, this movie is also in the public domain and you can watch it on YouTube or you can go to archive.org. I'll put a link to the, to both of those in the show notes and you can actually download this and, and keep a copy for yourself if you want, or just watch it directly online at archive.org. And it's a really good quality, uh, considering 
that nobody, you know, it's never been restored or anything like that, as far as I know. It it, it holds up well. They must have used a higher grade of film, actual product. I don't know, but it's 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 held up well. I I gave I gave the film an overall rating of a five, but. For her role, I would place it at a seven or an eight because it's such a strong character, but uh, it's sort of bound by or limited by the budget and the time that it was, um, uh, the time it took to make it. So I, I go, I would go overall with a five. Yeah, that's, you totally read my mind. It's like we've been doing this together for <laughs> like seven years. It's time to bring time to bring a new crew member on one of the. This is why it's good to have guests every once in a while. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, same thing. I would I would recommend watching it for Anime Wong. Yeah, you're not going to be blown away by the story or anything like that, but I think you'll be entertained. Fun. I have one. I have one weird thought before we wrap it up. Let we should do a Paul Breyer Film Festival. Two hundred and twenty films. We could probably cover them all in one one episode, one podcast. But having, having to watch them all might take a while. <laughs> I'm just amazed that he, he did that many films and then another 150 TV shows. Uh, so that was our film festival for Anime Wong, and that was our review of Lady from Chungking. And coming up next, it's... Uh, we have Basil Rathbone on the episode. Next, Hound of the Baskervilles, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, Son of Frankenstein, and The Mark of Zorro. Yes, and then we do Elevator to the Gallows, and then we have a special 200th podcast anniversary, which we have to decide between, and these are all good choices, Citizen Kane, Star Wars, were the best years of our lives. Oh, and I, I had a couple other people give input, like Lawrence of Arabia could be another one on the list. That is such a good film. Wow. This is going to be hard to choose. Yeah, and then the then after that we're going to come back to the Bride War Black, and Elevator to the Gallows and the Bride War Black are connected by the same actress, Jean Moreau. Jean Moreau. Yeah. I just got in the mail yesterday from Netflix, Elevator to the Gallows, and for those listeners that have never seen either Elevator to the Gallows or the Bride War Black, they're in for a treat to watch her in those films. Yep, and that was a. Uh suggestion by a listener who i'll have to get uh his oh, name. that's right yeah <laughs> but we'll we'll uh we'll thank we'll thank them when we get there um i'll i'll do my homework there so that's the plan and uh, then we're gonna also do a deep dive on basil rathbone and then we'll get into the hound of the baskervilles which i i think i've watched that three times in the last month it's, it's i never so get good. tired of watching basil <laughs> rathbone he's just he's just a consummate yeah, pro all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. This is uh, Matt coming to you from North Bend. And Bob in Los Angeles wishing everybody happy movie watching. You cannot kill me. You cannot kill China. Not even a million deaths could crush the soul of China. For the soul of China is eternal. When I die... A million will take my place, and nothing can stop them. Neither hunger, nor torture, nor the firing squad. We shall live on until the enemy is driven back over scorched land and hurled into the sea. That time will come soon. 
the armies of decency and liberty are on the march. For China's destiny is victory. It will live because human freedom will not perish. Out of the ashes of ruin and old hatreds, the force of peace will prevail until the world is again sane and good.